The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, podcast listeners. You might have heard that we are running the Data for AI virtual conference September 14th through 18th, 2020. This event is really to focus on the entire data life cycle from data prep to data labeling and data sourcing. We've produced a few podcasts on this and it's been an incredibly popular topic. And so we're running now a one week virtual conference to talk about this. We encourage you to sign up and register today. It's free to attend. It's September 14th through 18th. You can go to dataaiconf.com to learn more. Dataaiconf.com. We're having Bronca on an incredible panel around data and ethics. And we have 50 plus additional speakers as well. So if you have not done so already, we encourage you to check it out at dataaiconf.com. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Walsh. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. Our guest today is Bronka Panich, who is the founder and executive director at AI for Peace. Hi, Bronka. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Welcome, Bronka, and thanks so much for joining us. We'd like to start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and what AI for Peace is all about. Sure. So I'm Branka, and I'm a founder of AI for Peace, an organization working at the intersection of exponential technologies, peace, uh, human rights, and sustainable development. I'm based in California, but I'm originally from the Balkans, and most of my life there was impacted by various conflicts, crises, sanctions, and this slow transition from authoritarian regime towards democracy. And I think all of this shaped my decision to work in peacemaking and conflict resolution fields, covering conflict and post-conflict countries and humanitarian emergencies. So I've spent previous 13 years working in democratization, international development, humanitarian action. My latest work there was with uh, refugees from Middle East and North Africa. And I came to U.S. three years ago as a Rotary International Peace Fellow, doing a research on utilizing artificial intelligence in peace and security. So my first hands-on experience in this field was within the data team at the World Bank in Washington, D.C., at a unit called Fragility, Conflict, and Violence. And I joined this exciting project called Zero Famine. The team I worked with was utilizing predictive modeling and machine learning to develop algorithms to help identify areas with a high probability of famine happening to be able to enable more impactful famine response. So seeing the consequences of such an emergency as as famine and seeing other natural or man-made disasters happening more and more often, I started looking more towards AI and the possible, or AI as a possible tool that can help us tackle some of these challenges and in some cases even help us save lives. So with many insights from this project together with some of my colleagues, we started thinking how to utilize both collective human intelligence and artificial intelligence together to tackle some of the world's greatest challenges. And this is how AI for Peace was born. And it's interesting how very often when I introduce AI for Peace, 
to people. They look at me with this half curious, half confused expression with a follow-up question. You mean using AI for war? And this is something that we want to change. AI is the growing element in military strategy of many countries and the investments in defense and national security are rising every year. But what about investments in peace building? So it's impossible to see any information in, in any reports on AI for peace and because there is no strategy on using AI for sustaining peace. And this is what we want to change. So this is our vision, future in which AI benefits peace and security. And we believe that it's very important to have diverse voices influencing creation of AI and related technologies. Yeah, that's that's pretty profound. And, you know, interesting thing about transformative technologies, we could think of artificial intelligence as definitely transformative technology. It changes the way in which we're doing things and changes our relationship. It really can transform things for the worldwide, you know, from you know helping us address issues of peace. You know, think of social media as a transformative technology and how much that's changed the way that people and governments interact. It's definitely something, you know, really, really, you know, keen, you know, something we have spent a previous podcast talking about and something that we're focusing on at our upcoming Data for AI conference. We are running a Data for AI conference for a whole week. We're looking at the data side of artificial intelligence and September 14th through 18th, and it's a free event to attend. So we definitely encourage all of our podcast listeners to sign up and register at dataaiconf.com. And this will give some insights into what's happening. People applying AI and data in some really interesting ways in our government track, in our industry track, in our technology track. And, you know, sort of bringing it back to our conversation here on AI for Peace, you know, AI has this potential to change lives in some really profound ways. So as a result, you know, a lot of people are discussing transparent and responsible AI. So how does AI for Peace fit into that conversation? Yes, so our role is to bring, as I said, this diverse voices and geographically diverse voices to this topic of AI transparency, responsibility, and in general, AI ethics. And a lot of people are discussing these issues, but very often what we call a lot is concentrated in in actually a very small bubble. And I'm glad that you're organizing this conference to try to enlarge this table where we can actually talk about these issues. And these discussions tend to be predominantly Western-centric. And if you look at ethical AI guidelines, they're unequally geographically distributed. So the overwhelming majority of ethical proposals come from the U.S., right, or the European Union. Despite the fact that the impact of AI is global and can be global, proposals on how to ethically govern this technology are still predominantly coming only from several countries in the world. So what we need is ethics with respect to global and local traditions. And what we at AI for Peace are doing is reminding the AI community that a very similar discussion was already led not that long time ago. In the same way we talked today about ethical AI, we talked about human rights at the time of the adoption of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So this was this amazing milestone document in the history of human rights. And it was motivated by terrible experiences that the entire world went through in the Second World War, and it was drafted by representatives with different legal and cultural backgrounds from all regions of the world, and it was adopted for all peoples and all nations. 
So in the same way, we need to think about maybe some similar type of universal ethical AI standards adopted by and for all peoples and nations. So if not, we can, I'm afraid, expect not only another big tech divide or big AI divide, but another big civilizational divide. And if not, we will have strategies that are shaped by big powers focusing on control of AI technology or focusing on militarization, which will eventually resemble the Cold War type of race that we need to avoid to ensure a peaceful future. You know, it's interesting. At Cognolytica earlier in 2020, we published a worldwide AI laws and regulations report. And in this report, we discuss how countries all over the world are approaching and regulating AI. And for many countries, actually, they have this wait and see approach with regulations where they're kind of waiting to see where the technology goes and evolves before they start building very, you know, rigid and strict laws around the technology. So how do you see this area of ethical, responsible and peaceful AI evolving in the coming years, especially for different regions of the world who may not all be on the same page with ethics and peaceful AI? This is a great question, Kathleen. And when we look at your report and and we see that not only countries, but companies, intergovernmental organizations, big government agencies, they all acknowledge the importance of ethical AI, which is really, I think, a good development. Unfortunately, too often we see that this ethical AI is used as a label without some real applicable content. And different reports on AI ethics show that vast majority of AI ethics statements say actually very little about how to implement, how to ensure accountability, or how to measure such ethical standards and implementation, how to have enforcement in practice. So the good sign, I think, is that we can slowly see the beginnings of this discussion uh, of moving AI from principles to practice. And as your report shows clearly, the European Union is probably the most active actor in proposing such rules and regulations. We saw the even broader than EU, the Council of Europe started working on legally binding AI treaty to regulate the use of AI across all member states. And just to answer your question on, on how ethical AI will evolve in the coming years, I think pandemic gives us a good hints on this. And using AI for pandemic could have a long-lasting influence on trust and on general public attitudes. And if AI causes harm, it would erode trust in a way that can have serious impact to all other applications across different sectors. So this debate gives us an idea how this area of ethical and peaceful AI will be evolving. We saw how pandemic opened pathways for many AI applications for protecting people, saving lives, and all of those applications are designed, developed, and implemented with urgency. So applications with urgency also demand, let's say, ethics with urgency and the need to develop and apply those technological solutions quickly immediately raise many ethical challenges. We hear these debates on an everyday basis now. And I'm afraid broad ethical principles that we have do not offer guidelines in emergency situations. So this led to a number of ethicists to discuss the need for this new approach for ethics 
in emergency or ethics with urgency to ensure that AI can be safely and beneficially used in the pandemic response and beyond. Yeah, you know, the issue of thinking about the ethics and responsible use of AI is definitely complicated by the specific use cases. You know, one of the things we did talk about in that uh, worldwide laws and regulations report was actually nine separate categories of things that people are talking about regulating. One of those things is lethal autonomous weapons. People are already talking about that, even though we don't necessarily have anything that's a fully autonomous lethal weapon. People are, are thinking about it now much more carefully than they were thinking about it before, just because of how practical it actually is to implement. And, you know, people are thinking about facial recognition and people like the idea of facial recognition when it's like helping you unlock your phone if it's like an Apple, but they don't like the idea of facial recognition when it's identifying potential people who might be criminals or other activity Then people admit, of course, facial recognition is not highly accurate. So, well, well, it's accurate to certain limitations. And so people are really thinking about all that sort of stuff. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about that. And also some of our webinars, if you go to Cognolytica's site, if you go to Cognolytica.com and you look at our webinars, we spend quite a few of those webinars talking through some of these complicated issues. You know, I know we have a lot of podcast listeners to like to listen to stuff. Sometimes you got to see stuff <laughs> on a screen. It helps a little bit, you know, at the webinars. And in one of our other reports, in our Global AI Adoption Trends and Forecast Report, which we published at the very beginning of the year, we looked at, you know, how is AI being adopted and, and what are some of the challenges in adoption? About 90% of those who responded to our survey said that they will have some sort of in-progress AI implementation, either happening now or within the next two years. So, you know, this is not like a futuristic thing. People are planning for it. They're, they're spending money on it. They're spending their resources on it. They're growing their teams. They're investing. So, you know, how can enterprises and companies engage in the AI for good movement? Because as you know, many of these companies function almost like city states in themselves, especially now what's happening right now is in the United States, a lot of the big social media companies are testifying before Congress and talking about what mm-hmm. they're doing there. So they're being treated almost as if they're whole countries in and of themselves. Yes, exactly. And uh, let's look at these 90% of companies, as you said, who will be implementing some sorts of AI. And let's try to juxtapose this to probably 90% of, of world's population or, or majority of world's population that will have no say in how any of this is used or still have no opportunity to proactively use any of these tools for solving problems in their communities. So this is why I think more engagement of companies is needed and especially transparency, as you mentioned, be the things that we are seeing today and debates that are happening on everyday basis. This is exactly the reason why I think we need more of AI for good movement. And this is a movement that builds on, on previous ideas. So this is not something new. We can learn from previous experiences of utilizing different technologies to solve some of the world's greatest challenges. And I think personally, with the biggest or bigger potential of AI, we actually can use it as a bigger potential to solve quicker some of the or faster some of these greatest challenges. And we can see already an example and some good examples coming from Microsoft an AI for good program providing technology, resources, expertise to empower those working to solve humanitarian issues and to create more sustainable and accessible world. Google started something similar with Google AI. 
We even have the example of partnership uh, on AI gathering different stakeholders. So not only private companies, but stakeholders across different fields and industries trying to work together towards this AI for good. And why is this important? Many organizations that shape their mission and vision around solving the biggest problems for humanity don't have capacities, financial, technical, operational, to design and implement AI in a way many of these 90% of companies you mentioned in your report do. So it's crucial to make these connections between companies on one side and not only companies, sometimes even individuals, people who are working in these companies who can really have even individual big impact if they are connected with with problem owners uh, in the field, people who understand what their societies and communities are facing with. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. And I know, you know, following up on this, what are some promising examples of utilizing AI for peace that you've seen? I know that you gave some examples with companies that are doing things, but what are some promising examples that you've seen? Yeah, I uh, this is definitely my passion area. And I think it, it deserves more uh, place because there is, again, a big potential to really contribute to more peaceful and just society through this. And one of the exciting fields that I'm covering is utilizing AI for accountability for human rights violations, especially international human rights protection. And human rights researchers and activists often rely on photos or videos that are shared online to document war crimes, atrocities, and human rights violations. And manually reviewing this content, what we did before, is often expensive, it's very time-consuming, and even human processing brings additional challenges to activists involved as it can create a trauma due to very explicit, violent, and disturbing content. So new computer vision tools can be developed and used to address these and similar challenges. And just to give to your audience an example of a project of Syrian and Yemeni archives of observing battle crimes and creating accountability around that, which collects billions of video frames of footage. So the estimate is that the individual would need more than 2,000 days to search through all of this information while ML system needs 30 days. And another promising approach is combining this with a satellite imagery, especially for peace builders who often lack direct access to uh, conflict, war areas, or in general, violence-affected areas. So there is a huge potential of combining this high-quality satellite imagery that is very widely available today with deep learning on the other side and other, not only deep learning, other recent advancements in computer science. And this can really extract information from the image in a way that human can't do. So satellite images have been already used to confirm the existence of forced labor camps in North Korea, mass graves in Burundi, or even Boko Haram activities in Nigeria. Recently, we witnessed this case of, of existence of so-called re-education camps in China targeting Muslim minority Uyghur community. There are many other promising approaches, and I would like just to get your audience excited about this, like natural language processing, machine learning that are used for hate speech monitoring on social media, machine learning for conflict early warning and prevention of conflict, image recognition for fighting human trafficking, 
sex trafficking, NLP for mediation and peacemaking and many, many more. And being peace builder myself, I have to say that I, I am optimistic and I do see a great potential of utilizing these technologies for creating more peaceful, just and free societies. But I need to mention that each one of them comes with possible risks to be misused or to create unintended negative consequences, as we talked about just previously. Yeah, you know, those examples were great. And you're right that you can build AI and build technology and systems in general with the best of intentions, but can have unintended consequences. So I think that it's really important that we do talk about this and that we fully think through some of the systems that we implement and technology that we implement and how we implement it as well. So, you know, we encourage our listeners to check out your website and continue to follow you and, you know, see how things continue to evolve, because I think that this is going to be a conversation that never goes away. Exactly. This is really important to have in mind. We need to talk about this all the time. (laughs) Right. So I always like to wrap up these podcasts with asking this question. What do you believe the future of AI is in general and its applications to organizations, governments and beyond? I want to believe that the future will bring more applications of AI for peace and social good. As I mentioned, I think it's obvious now that I believe that AI can improve social justice and uh, help us tackle even climate crisis. But again, as I mentioned at the beginning, if uh, we look at the amount of investments going into uh, autonomous systems and as Ron mentioned this entire conversation around uh, autonomous weapons and killer robots that is not hype anymore. I am afraid that we can expect more expansion of AI within the defense and surveillance industry. And my hope is that these developments will also motivate more people to be better informed and to be better engaged, to know that they have a voice in this debate. And we need to intensify this debate across sectors and with diverse audiences to have more transparent discussions around accountability, explainability, privacy, in similar way how the public and companies And governments are tackling the problem of facial recognition today and different discriminatory policing practices, as Ron just mentioned. So I hope that in the same way, we can have discussions about different other problems that are coming with um, AI. However, at the same time, I I am hopeful. And again, I'm mentioning that AI can be used for good. And I expect more conversations and action in the field of environmental sustainability of machine learning, more sensitivity towards climate change implications, and using AI with respect to not only humans, but the entire planet. And I have to say another thing, being a a huge fan of future forecasting, I have to look at it further future towards maybe some sort of general intelligence as well. And especially now seeing what a pandemic can do to disrupt our lives and societies. Many in AI field are already wondering if a virus with a zero intelligence level managed to do this amount of damage, what can a virus of intelligence level thousand do? So I believe we, we need to have more discussions in this direction as well. And To stay on a positive note again at the end, I am excited about proactively using the power of AI to augment human possibilities and to create more peaceful and just societies. 
Well, I think that's a great goal because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, technology is something that is available for us as humans to make what we can out of it. <laughs> There's no inherent good or inherent evil in it. It's just up to us and how we apply it. And the more powerful the technology, the more powerful the positive outcomes could be as well as the negative ones. So we're always keeping an eye on that. And I think it's great to have guests like Bronca joining us here on the AI Today podcast and being a part of it. And, you know, we'd great to, to maybe hear more from Bronca. You know, I encourage all of our listeners to once again, check out the upcoming Data for AI conference, which is scheduled as an online conference in this new virtual online only world that we're living in. <laughs> Everything is online, but I think that's great because, you know, that's one of those other changes in the world. We we're just talking about it. You know, you think about the good and the bad. Of course, there's plenty of bad that has to do with coronavirus. There's, the, you know, there's not a lot of good in that. But there's, you know, the silver lining is I think we've all learned how to live in this new virtual world. And before it used to be conferences, you you could only, you had to actually physically go to them. And if you weren't there, maybe there was an online experience, but it really wasn't that good. It was sort of like an afterthought. You know, it's very hard to go to something like the big consumer electronics show and not actually experience it. But now this new world that we're living in is, is forcing everybody to think about providing more value to in a virtual way. And ironically, you actually get more people that way. So for us, you know, when we, if we were to, to run this data for AI conference in person, you know, it'd be great to get several hundred people there and maybe some excellent people who could travel to wherever this is going to be. By running it online, we actually get thousands of people there. Make the event free. There's no reason to charge for it if it basically it's online. You know, we have fabulous sponsors who are supporting it, fabulous presenters. And also we can have great presenters, you know, perhaps like Bronca, perhaps <laughs> joining us. And, and, and they could present from wherever they are in the world. They could be anywhere and presenting and joining us. So that's the fabulous thing about that. And I encourage everybody to think that way about AI as well, all the possible good that can come out of it. So we really enjoyed having you as a guest, Bronca. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. And we encourage all of our listeners to take a look at all the show notes and follow up and click on all the links and join the activities and sort of participate. So thank you again, Bronca, for being part of the AI Today podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to the conference. Thank you so much for organizing it in such a way that so many of us can participate in all parts of the world. Great. Yes, we're obviously looking forward to it as well. And listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, as well as a link so that you can register for the Data for AI Week virtual conference as well. As Ron mentioned, it's free and open to everybody. So we'd love to have a lot of our AI Today podcast listeners there. So hopefully you'll sign up and we'll get to virtually meet you. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you at the next podcast. Hi, listeners. You may have heard that we are running the Data for AI Week virtual conference taking place September 14th through 18th, 2020. This is an online event unlike any that you've attended before. Over the course of this one week, we'll combine a large library of on-demand content with live keynotes and webinar-style panels, as well as presentations as well. And the content will be consumed on your schedule. So unlike other conferences where you need to attend at specific times, you'll be able to watch a lot of this on-demand around your schedule. Key topics will include data engineering, data preparation, data labeling and annotation, and sourcing and generating data as well. This is a free conference, and we encourage all of our listeners to attend. To find out more, go to dataaiconf.com. That's dataaiconf.com. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter and more, please visit our website at cognolitica.com. 
Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolytica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica. All rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.